So, concerning this mind, this heart, this sense of self, these are all ways of considering citta, the empirical sense of who I am. kind of some some summary you know when it all boils down to feelings and effects inclinations (coughs) and as we all know it's a changing moving thing jitta And we practice with jitta as a subject, as we practice from a place of mind, we practice with jitta as an object. So it's one of the um, conundrums. Because of course, you know, what you have to practice with is yourself, you know, you have to work on yourself, and yet who's going to do that? Where did that come from? Actually, this is uh, the way that jitta is operating most of the time. Anyway, you have a one aspect of jitta is intent. This you might say is the center of it. It's the kind of leading principle. It's the one that determines: go this way, go that way. More of this, more of that intention, intent. This is the center. Sometimes chittery, sometimes chitter is even translated as just intent, the bent of one's mind, a particular dominant trait, a sense of leaning, inclining, galvanizing, wavering, uh, faltering, exuberant, slow, sluggish, whatever, driving, quality of intent, jitta. And then around that, we have this whole uh, web, feelings, <coughs> perceptions, what it's called, jitta-sankara, which is the, the stuff, you know, if you like, that seems to be the object. What's being experienced, the moods, yeah effects as they happen. So generally, by and large, you know, average person is continually experiencing certain effects, certain moods, certain resonances, certain tones, and they're doing something about that. They're responding to that. They're either dismissing it or focusing on it or um, making more, making less, doing whatever we do. And that's the kind of whole dynamic of what's going on. And the, the result of that action gives rise to another set of effects. And so it goes. You know, another set of effects, we feel happier, we feel not so happy, therefore another set of intentions come in again to 
act to respond to that. That's the kind of way it goes. It's zigzagging along in this feedback, cause and effect, intention, result, result, intention, intention, result, result, intention. And so we all inherit accumulated results. Some of this is just coming from being sensitive to a body. It's not necessarily everything that we are doing. Some of what we are, the effects we have are just from the result of being born. Um, So it's not all exactly mine, although it comes to feel very much as mine. It's sensed as mine. It's happening to me. I'd just like to say, you know, look at look at this model, if you like, as a rather like a, uh, a target, you know, with a bullseye, which is the intention, and then around it, all these perceptions and moods. Uh, using that particular model for uh, perhaps ways that will become clearer, because the idea is that you from the center of your intent you kind of radiate across the field of perceptions and feelings it tends to be generally a kind of a relationship between the, the intent and the moods and feelings is one of one manages the other you know the intention manages or eats feeds on or eliminates or tries to eliminate the particular effects but when you're looking for balance which is what I'm suggesting, what you really want to do is just accommodate. So like you you just spread, with intention, you spread your awareness over the whole of it. Spread your awareness over all of what's felt in a, in a way where your intent, your intent is one that is, is skillful, rich, agile, balanced. And it becomes skillfully resourceful through the efforts of our practice, through our mindfulness, investigation, calm, ease, kindness, firmness, all these sorts of things. So you, you build up that, and that's very important to build that resource bank. And then you just spread that, all of that, across the domain of what's felt senses it's called um, sensitive to and calming the chitta sankara chitta sankara is this moods or this moving stuff <coughs> and in the ideal model of practice you build up a good degree of a skillful resource and intent through Practicing the body, steadying the body, investigating the body, being clear and discerning about the body, taking a bit at a time, um, balancing it. You know, you build up a lot of skills in terms of focus and agility, so on. And then you refine that with the breathing. Till the breathing, till the body and the breathing become almost translucent, that is, they're not really felt in the, in the coarse way. There's a, a sense of just an energy 
and the feeling of um, joyfulness, uh, uplift. And you, then it's very important uh, if that becomes the more dominant experience of a kind of emotive artifacts become the important experience that you learn to learn how to handle, manage, calm those. And the simple kind of theme, as with the body, is you is you don't is you you widen and spread your your awareness. There's a tendency for the mind to, to focus on a detail, on a small point. But um, as you see in the process of mindfulness of breathing. It says sabakaya pati samwedi to be fully sensitive to the entirety of the body. Similarly, become fully sensitive to the spread over the whole of the mind. So you often feel with a rapture a kind of bubbling, pushing uh, sense. And you just kind of widen and widen and widen your your domain of sensitivity rather than intensify it. It's a kind of loosening sometimes, relaxing. What you do to relax, you don't relax in an intense way. <laughs> you kind of loosen and step back, get broader. And just kind of get that, that gesture in the mind is very significant because with that you tend to, your target gets bigger if you like you know the the roundel of feeling and perception gets wider and subtler you don't just get the strong feelings you also get subtler feelings of well-being contentment and ease which are there and they're, they're the kind of subtler end of the spectrum so to widen often what I recommend is you, you go like try to sense you know, outside of the dominant feeling, where there's less of it, where there's none of it, where it seems to be none of it or less of it. A widening gesture. Being aware of the whole of the mind, the intent, sense of because that gets affected by uh, happiness, you get a little more excited, a little more enthusiastic, keen, and there's a certain revving up can occur. So the idea is not to rev up, but to steady, spread, ease, move towards that way, less, less of that kind of quality of energy. It helps if you're using the map of the body to, to spread over the entire body, down to the fingers, the shoulders, the ears, the feet, soles of the feet, even around the body, to the skin and around the whole package of the body. Another, so you have these two levels of mind, the intent and then the perception feeling. There's another 
which isn't always so apparent because it doesn't have uh, these strong feelings, strong drives in it. It's the more the, the level of knowing. So that's, in a way, what comes in as it gives the general assessment. You know, so we're practicing, get the general feeling, the general overall sense of impression is this is good, this is not good, you know, I'm getting better at it, I'm not getting so good at it, or whatever. You know, it's this assessment. And self, and that can be very, though it doesn't have a particular feeling to it, it's, it's significant because this is um, the domain of overviews, and overviews, simply speaking, are two kinds. They're affected by becoming and they're affected by non-becoming. And by becoming means we have the overall sense of we're developing or we need to develop or we are developing or we want to develop you know, make more. The non-becoming can be sensed as either uh, you know, we're not developing or we're eliminating or we're getting rid of things or we're getting out of things or we're you know, so there, there's, these are the kind of overviews. Some of them are, are very um, are distressful indeed. You know, when the development feeling is one of a, a kind of a, almost intoxication, you get, you know, driven on to get somewhere and get things going and make things happen and get to the next stage. Or the non-becoming, which is a feeling of, of uh, almost like a collapse of not getting anywhere. And um, so these, these are the kind of overviews that can occur. And from the non-becoming, you get the sense of almost of destruction, punishment, blaming, something that makes one feel collapsed, you know, sense of self collapses. It doesn't collapse, it goes into a collapsed self. <laughs> yeah. So it's still there, there's still some sense of being. But the sense of being is in a neg- negative experience that mm. wants to get even more eradicated or find a way to get out. And these, these are these are the general overviews, and these occur for everyone uh, except um, enlightened beings, and generally they occur in, in not such damaging ways. So we might very well feel our practice is about developing factors of awakening and we, you know, eventually we will, in due course of time, you know, realize something or we have realized something, we have developed and there's a certain truth to that. And, uh, you know, and then we always have that, that non-becoming, there's a certain truth, we have got rid of things, we've eliminated things, we will live, get free of samsara and there's a certain truth of that. Mm. And so most people operate in these kind of ways. That's that's the way it is. We don't have any other ways to operate. That's the thing. This overview is the thing that packages, keeps us coherent and consistent. So you definitely get the sense of, I am getting freer or happier or, you know. So even though you don't know what I am is, there's still that overall feeling of, you know, this is my bit, and it's getting better. And that's so. That's that's the overview. It assesses. It, it self-regards. 
It has an effect also in that, that every experience, the intention takes up the message from that. If you like, this is outside of the other two, it's another ring on that target. So you get to the very extremities of the mind, there's an overall sense of, well, I, I mm, self. Mm. Another way of looking at this is that the intent is the sense of I and all the feelings and moods of the sense of me and the general overview is self general sense of you know the name of the bag with all the stuff in it now this doesn't so though the you know, we may very well understand and ac- academically that the Nibbana is the end of this becoming, non-becoming process. It doesn't happen through an intellectual flick of the mind with a thought. It happens through the uh, through the quali- through the quality of intent becoming, developing, <laughs> quietening, eventually stopping. that's the intent is, is linked fundamentally to the sense of self that's why you know this isn't in any way a kind of thought process it's a reflex process what's occurring within me if it's uh, disturbing and contradictory there's an immediate reflex to make it otherwise You know, if you like, there's self-regard, this is happening to me, this is distressful, make it otherwise. That's the message that comes through. If it's warm, it's loving, joyful, the message comes through, have more of this. This is, you know, what happens. The way it should be. So you always, you know, how's that going to stop? Well, the way it stops, again, as a map or as a textbook thing, is that the material that you're dealing with becomes so easeful that there really isn't anything much to do. It's just settled, it's stable, it's balanced. It may be not, it's not rock solid, but it's, it's easeful, it's, it's not, you know... It's also not exciting, which is <laughs> kind of one of the snags, it doesn't... It's just ease, sukha, tranquil, just like that. And therefore, as, as that piece of the mind becomes more easeful, what you come into contact more directly with is the nagging sense of become something or eliminate something. You want to develop more, you want to get rid of something. It's a kind of, still this twitch, you know, of self-regard. And then that's the quality that you begin to get in touch with and also relax. Mm.
and the various thing, quality you know, factors as well. Once is just why I'm saying this is just to get a good an understanding of it, so you can at least you know work in that way, and you just to get the understanding that becoming and non-becoming only really is something that gets on the agenda in the once you've once you've kind of settled or made peace with or accommodated these energies of chitta-sankara that is the mood swings the ups and downs of mood and feeling perceptions meanings when one feels happy sad judged blamed um, you know wonderful appreciated or whatever it is you know when that's settled you just feel no issues here um, things are kind of okay and so on and your mind is stabilized then you know if you like that middle piece of the terrain is is now no longer really a, any focus there's nothing really much to do there and so you get much more the sense of this kind of nagging feeling of uh, sort of what am I, am I, am I, am I not, am I, what should I, is this it, is this it, is this it? <laughs> uh, kind of like a little tremble around the edge, and then that, that's the view, the becoming, non-becoming view as it, as it comes into focus. process then is one the Buddha talks of gladdening steadying and releasing gladdening, steadying and releasing the gladdening is uh, abhipamujaya which means if you like thoroughly appreciating it's different from piti Piti is much more um, kind of rapturous, a bit more excited. So we're looking at something like a deep contentment or appreciation. You know, it's like you're just sitting, bathing in it, letting it be that way. And uh, steadying, stabilizing, samadhaṁ, chittāṁ, stabilizing the mind. It's, It's kind of... recognizing and relinquishing or that kind of twitch that wants to know wants to make more wants to make less feels it ought to feels it wants to understand where it is just that steadying from that and then gradually releasing with mochayang releasing the chitta means releasing the intent the intent is saying no you've done enough now, you know, now you can go go home. <laughs> Done your work. So you release it. It's free. Go, give up. This is quite subtle. And so the, this is where these, 
the Buddha talks of nirodha, stopping, or in the or the movements of the mind have found a place of rest. You know, rest, and then from there relinquishment can occur. Sense of really, this is not anybody's territory. It's the way it is. It's this. So these are ver- ver- verbal phrases that are maybe carry that resonance. But I would say that this isn't something, the trouble with all verbal phrases is one can get them off the fridge door and just stick them on any old piece of experience that happens. No matter what's in the fridge. (laughs) And the way it is is one of those ones that can be used like, in a nasty mood, it's just the way it is. (laughs) And I'm rude to you and that's just the way it is. You don't like it, and that's anything. Well, <laughs> that's not really <laughs> kind of liberation teaching. It's just, it's an abnegation teaching. <laughs> you kind of shuck off responsibility for anything. So it, it, this isn't something you just put onto the realm of cause and effect. So there is a there is a, a need for karma for action to deal with and to accommodate, to pacify, to allow, to bless whatever we do with the moods and feelings that come up. As that settles, then we begin to sense the last bit that's really causing any snags here is just this intent itself, to trying to get somewhere, know something. You know, that's the last little bit of, of chafing that's occurring. Could that be relinquished? There's no real way in which one can really say anything more about that. Just, just to put that there. But over a uh, you know long-term retreat, and and also when you're going into solitary retreats, so that feeling you've got to get anywhere turn up for things, make something happen, you know, if you go to solitary retreat feeling, you know, you've got three weeks or a month to finally get somewhere, <laughs> please don't do that <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> or you need to get rid of something, don't do that. Just use it to really understand some of these currents of bhava, vibhava, becoming, non-becoming, and the ones that tend to maybe dominate you. You know, if you're a we can have dom- more dominant towards the elimination, clean out, empty out, and some of it's it's good, you know, it's 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 not wrong because the, a certain line of teachings can certainly validate that that mode. But there's a, there's enough, there's a time when there's enough of that, and the attempt to keep eliminating anymore is like a dog chasing itself around, trying to do, eat its own tail. It just creates more. Disturbance, and then there are things that are developed. You know, you can develop samadhi and develop um, patience, and it's great. Then there comes a time when it's just enough, because this is also getting to be a little bit obsessive. And these are not necessarily conscious decisions; they're reflexes. That's the thing with these views, overviews. They're actually not deliberate intent. They are, you know, reflexes. 
They're, they're really old karma reflexes that that we have been we've been living with, and and mostly because we don't actually go to the edge of the mind where these views are. We don't even know they're there. Because most of the time we're just thrashing away with our moods and feelings and other stuff. You don't get to that level of really getting to the point when you can actually acknowledge some of the, the kind of view, the overall mentality that's, that figures us, that even figures Buddhism, you know, so whether we feel it's the way to get out, eliminate, find a way out of this mess, and well, yeah, that's one way you could put it, but that tends to be bhava if you pick that up too literally, or you could have that developing the supreme translucent spiritual awareness of suchness, deathless realities and so forth, yeah. yeah. Which ones resonate for you? You know, gives you a clue, doesn't it? And maybe sometimes it's one or sometimes the other. And how you, one regards oneself as something where there's, a, there's an interest and need and a wish to develop things, or just the predominant feeling is, uh, clean it out, you know. And when does it become a bit pathological, kind of Lady Macbeth? You're walking around continually scrubbing bits of yourself <laughs> that aren't there. <laughs> kind of strange guilt or feelings of unworthiness, and like Lady Macbeth walking around trying to scrub a blood spot off her hand that wasn't there. That's why she can never get rid of it. But it's not, uh, you can't say, it's just this kind of trivial, foolish thing. These are kind of very fundamental life statements. Fundamental uncleanness or unworthiness or thatness which makes us feel shy or withdrawn or we feel we all shouldn't bother anybody because we're a little bit of a nuisance and I don't want to get in your way and excuse me, I don't, you know, I don't, sorry about this but I'm sorry if I keep existing, I don't want to, you know, there you are and I try not to be a nuisance and that kind of thing or, or the other view, well here I am and, you know, I need some attention and after all when am I going to get somewhere and, hey, hello, <laughs> and you, <laughs> Yeah, so these kind of swings that we, we can experience of, of tendencies that run our lives. And as I say, they may, we may have different ones at different times. And they're not trivial, even though I make fun of them. Because they can create enormous uh, gravitational pulls. You know, they're like the, the gravity around <laughs> planet, planet me is held in this gravitational field and around that gradually pulls everything else into that orbit so when you get into the Vibhava moods and suddenly everyone around you you think oh they don't want me, I shouldn't be here I'm a nuisance, I'm the last, I'm the weakest, I'm the stupidest, I'm not the right you know, that kind of thing goes on and suddenly you see it erects a world around you you remain in the womb of becoming and non-becoming you remain there for a lifetime lifetimes 
just creating new wallpaper. But it's the same old, it's the same room, it's the same womb. Why it is important to, um, you can probably see some of this stuff kick in at different times of the day or different times in your life, different times in your practice when the, it can create these, these waves of feeling coming out of nowhere, get triggered off because of this overview. And that's the one that fundamentally we want to get to, to be able to be, um, to relinquish. ways of you know, working with assessing that, working with that we might, when the mind becomes adequate we might say you know, just test it for yourself you widen the centers, just bring up that sense of nothing to do but just, just to be here nothing particularly to do Nothing particularly to work on or achieve or make. Nothing to go to or get to. You do this particularly, of course, when you're in solitude, when you've got much more of that encouragement. And see what happens. See, generally, you know, I guess what will happen for me is there's a certain swiveling of attention round to anything that maybe needs to be sorted out physically, environmentally or with other people in terms of what I'm supposed to be doing uh, maybe doesn't find anything, nothing there then maybe it looks to the world of time what should I be doing or what will happen in three hours time or how long should I be with this should I be getting on with something If I keep doing this for the rest of my life, you know, <laughs> uh, or something of this, you get a time sense comes in. So if we, you know, worked out the physical space, the time sense comes in. It's agitation of time. And these are all totally valid in their own dimension. There is April and Friday and whatever, and 10 o'clock and so forth. But there's also a domain where those are not necessary, where those conventions don't accrue, which is what we have the opportunity to access. You don't have to continually be holding on to those realities or dismissing them you can pick them up when it's time when it's appropriate and learning how to, to put them down so they're not pathologies what's it like to be here
keep the focus very wide. That's where the becoming, non-becoming sense can be felt. Even if things are not absolutely wonderful or you know, you've got physical problems or just try to widen outside that. Okay, I can be with this. Sometimes you can actually feel it even in the body sense, kind of nervousness. A couple of years ago, I was in uh, I was in South Africa actually, and I was taken to this place where um, where there was a, a lagoon, and they gave I was given a little kind of um, polystyrene raft or board to float on in this lagoon. So I was lying on this raft, lagoon, floating. And it was in the afternoon, so I didn't have to get back for anything. Nothing to go to, no duties, no functions, no meetings, no meal, no any, nobody around to talk to, bother, look, be deceived by, completely alone. It's, it's the sky, and I'm lying there, and there's this feeling of, I should be doing something. No, no. And it comes up again as a kind of, well, I shouldn't be doing this. No. Well, I should be doing something else. Um, no. Well, maybe they, no, they don't. Maybe it, no. <laughs> There's not enough time. So you can lie here all night, it doesn't matter. No. I kind of sense this, this kind of volitional twitch coming in. Actually, it's like, you know, for ten minutes, could you just switch it off? And it's just the sky looking down. It didn't care. It wasn't interested. It didn't bother. It wasn't excited. It didn't ask anything. It's not that kind of volitional feeling of sort of shivery sense of, well, I ought to or I oughtn't something. This practice, actually with that, releasing that, you can go home now. This is, this is, this is who you are right now, you know. So if one wants to feel one is either the best or the worst or somewhere or nowhere, you know, and yet to, you, that self-regard coming in, self-conscious sense, assessing where you are on some kind of scale of values, where you are on some scale of states of consciousness, where you are on some level of realization and so on. It's got some kind of validity to it when it's necessary. It also becomes another pathology whose aim is just to keep you trapped into this becoming, non-becoming view. And it's, it's a reflex, it's not, nobody wants to do this, it's just, we don't know what else to do. So the last bit of intent is just to be glad, 
gladdening, just uh, really bringing, he's bringing to mind that sense of, of the, the beauty in your life, beauty of awareness, and the extent to which, which this becomes more and more, as these enlightenment factors are developed, because this is, development of becoming is a necessary process to a degree. And then it's a time when you have to really taste and value what you have, all the goodness you have become, whether you like it or not, whether you feel you should have more or less. You've got to actually, you know, take some time just sampling, appreciating the, the patience or the diligence or the harmlessness or the in, intentionality good intent. This becomes really very meaningful as, uh, you know, in the, in the ongoing process of practice. This is years we're looking at. And that, that kind of bit of the practice becomes really essential as the last bit you can do with intent, you know, the really to, to get out of this way of, of self-regard. So becoming, non-becoming. And one sees what has become, what has come into being, as that which has been brought into being, has dependently arisen. There's not some kind of personal possession, but as dependent upon mindfulness and effort and patience. You know, to kind of Get these labels, but just to get the sense of the the treasure, because if one takes it personally, then again the personal views come in. Well, my mindfulness isn't very good, and you know, after all, I'm not very patient, and well, my virtue is kind of limited. And, you, know. <laughs> you don't want to look at the personal package. What's on the label? When you've got a little bag of beans or a big bag of beans, you've got Heinz baked beans or Blogs baked beans or only three baked beans in your bag. Just enjoy the bean, the little baked bean that there is. That's an important bit to do. And then you, you pick up that, if you develop the sense of suffusing, permeating, that's the, the quality that you gladden the mind with and as you receive that there can be a steady and uh, by degree uh, liberation So what's it like to be here? It's one of the, this is the Ajahn Chah Memorial Day, so one of the things that come to mind is one of Ajahn Chah's little phrases was poor D, it's good enough. You know, it's not, wow, fantastic. Just good enough. And that's that's the quality. 
and you look at those pressures to make it fantastic you know, a real five star trophy experience all the tendencies, yeah, it's a bit shoddy, you know it's good enough good enough this is equanimity last enlightenment factor to, to really come to to mind mm. perhaps a, a rare one it's like equanimity onlooking equanimity it's sympathetic it's not blank sympathetic mm-hmm. good enough good enough mm. to be here is good enough 